Welcome, people, to Everyday Strong with your host, C.B. Baker. I'm here today with my partner in crime, Dr. Michael G. Daniels, and he's always encouraging me to, to be the best that I can be every day in my walk of faith. Um, thank you for coming here, Dr. Downs. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and as always, it is an extreme pleasure to be here with you, and I'm looking forward to today's topic. And today's topic is is a good one. You texted me last night, and you said, you know, this is, I think, something that everybody would be able to um, really benefit from. So uh, please give us the intro to the topic. Sure. Uh, today's topic really is a formula that um, our Heavenly Father has laid out for success, And that can be applied in any aspect of your life, whether it be in your home life, whether it be in raising your children, um, on your job, or uh, whether it be in your ministry. Uh, It it just works in all areas. And and basically uh, what it um, looks at is, you know, we're looking at um, right after the the flood, um, there was a group of individuals that decided um, after Noah um, had uh, at the flood came and Noah had rested the ark and a new generation that came about, that they were looking at seeing how they could ensure that if there was another flood, that they would not um, be overtaken by the water. And so they get together and they decide to build this great tower, hoping that this tower would allow them to escape any flood waters that came. Now, when, when God looked down at the tower, and looked at them building, uh, he indicated uh, in his word that the people are one, uh, they are unified, and therefore nothing that they imagine will be impossible unto them. And so to keep them from trying to undermine his design, uh, he came down and he confounded their, their speech. And so each of them kind of migrated to those individuals that had similar speech And so that's why it's called the Tower of Babel on today. Uh, But if you look at that in the context of how can I apply it to my life, what we find is there are three basic concepts that come out of that. One, God said that whatever they imagine, they can do because the people are one. So first thing is, if there is unity within your organization, within your home, whatever it might be, and that suggests that um, that's the first step. And secondly, he said that the people... Um, they, they, I'm going to confound their speech to stop them, which would indicate that they had a great communication system. Whatever it was, they had great horizontal and vertical com- communication. Uh, the only problem was that what they were trying to do went against his will. So the third thing ha- would be that whatever you are attempting to do, it must be in God's will or in the will of those that are over you. I can honestly say I can, I've seen the the detriment of like not being able to communicate or communication in business or in life and relationship. We just got through doing the relationship um, podcast series, which if you look, if you listen to it, probably 50, 60% of it is still dealing with communication. If you can't communicate well, you're not going to be really successful. And, but you can be successful without being able to communicate. But one thing that you're not going to really be successful doing is going against God's will. Well, absolutely. And if, again, if we just apply it to everyday life, for example, uh, if you think about it in, in your home life, in, within your marriage, let's say, um, if you look at why marriages don't often um, get to the mountaintop, you know, if you look at most marriages, they kind of flounder. You know, you do everyday things together. 
but they don't really get to that pinnacle of success. You know, if you ask most people to um, uh, score their marriage between one and ten, a few people say we're at ten level. They may be striving, but they don't get there. So what causes them not to get there? Uh, Number one, uh, most people in marriages are not unified. They don't have the same purpose. The wife may have one set of goals. The husband may have, have another set of goals. And so they don't have the same purpose. So therefore, the first concept that people are one is not there. For example, the wife, her goal may be to have some children and make sure they're the best they can be. The husband's goal may be whatever his career objective is. And so even though they may love each other, they're not unified in that regard. Now, if also, when you think about how we do communicate uh, in most marriages, um, as um, the secular um, counselors would say, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Right. And how we communicate is totally different. You know, uh, women tend to like to verbalize feelings, where men tend to like to verbalize facts. So our communications are not quite there. And so then if you look at then, well, are we, do we have a purpose that is something where who is in whoever or whomever the entity is that's in charge of the marriage, and in my case, I'm saying if God is in charge of our marriage, then the question becomes, is, is what we're trying to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish? And in most cases, it is not, because what we're trying to accomplish is the bigger house, as if God cares if we get a bigger house. You know, right. We're trying to accomplish a newer car, as if that's what God cares about. So when you think of those three basic things that our creator is looking for from us, uh, we, we rarely are on par with him, you know, when it concerns that. And so that's why I'm saying if you have those three things, if you don't have them, it is almost impossible to really excel in your relationships. You know, you, you may flounder through it. You may think you're doing okay. But uh, as for me, I want to do more than okay. You know, I want to excel. I want to be, I want to wake up happy. I want to go to bed happy. And I want to have a happy day. And I want to cherish every day. And I want to feel like I have the best marriage on the block. And so that's why I'm always trying to be unified with my, with my spouse and where we're going. And I'm always trying to make sure our communications are on par. And I'm certainly seeking God first to make sure that's how it works out in my life. And the same for my children. That's how I raise my children using that same formula. Yeah. And I, I like to um, ask you a question. Now, if where does passion fall in in this? Um, not passion for is like passionate, but passion about what you're trying to do. Because um, you know, there's a lot of people out here that you know it's about to, you know, the weather's about to break. Somebody right now listening to us has got a plan to put a pool in the backyard, and they said, "Okay, well, I need to make X, Y, Z amount of money." Like we talked, like you just said, mm-hmm. you know, God doesn't care that you want a new car, right? Because if God cared, he would just give you a new car. Absolutely. Right. So at what point do does the faith match up with the will to do it? Like at what point does it intersect to, to get that sweet spot where the passion and my faith in God will provide it to me meet? Well, that, right. And that's a, that's a great question. So let me let me try to answer this way. Uh, here's what uh, the Bible says that our Heavenly Father will supply us all of our needs according to His riches and glory. But He also says that if we exercise faith and if we if we walk the way we are supposed to walk, that He will also give us the desires of our heart. <clears throat> so here is what the question becomes. Uh, it, it may be a desire of mine to have the pool in the back, 
but is it a desire of my wife to have the pool in the back? <laughs> and and, do, right. and so, you know, so I'm passionate about it, but she may not be passionate about it. So if that's being the case then, and if, let's say I need a financial, I need, you know, enough finances, obviously, to cover right, that. Right. My passion may be there to save the money. Her passion won't be there to save the money. So even though she may say to me, I'm on board, go ahead and get the pool, we really won't be unified in purpose because she's not going to give everything to make that a reality. She's just won't, She just will decide, I'm not going to get in your way so you can make it a reality. And it's a huge difference between supporting me and just standing by and not stopping me. Right. It is, it is a big difference between between the two. And I find that with um, with people, too, that's in the relationship that they having a hard time connecting on on the same. They're in the same book, in the same chapter, but not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that's where things really get kind of messed up. Where one person's at the end of that chapter, the other person's at the beginning. It's like, hey, we need to get this thing together or they don't communicate well enough to bring it together. Well, you, you're right. I, you know, I, I think that most people um, really, we, we are good at, let's say, horizontal communication. And I think that's, a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, vertical communication. I think that's a good way to look at it. Vertical, vertical communication, as you know, and just for our listening audience, vertical communication is when I am communicating either with people that are above me, uh, whether it be because they are supervisors or because they're superior to me for one reason or another, uh, or because the other ones give me guidance, or they're below me because I'm giving someone else guidance or, you know, I'm leading them. So we're good at that. We're good at leading people and communicating with them, you know, because we, that's what we expect to do. The problem is we're not good at horizontal communication. And so and how we communicate verbally and horizontally is different. So what in marriages, what we tend to do is people will communicate vertically with their spouse when they should be communicating horizontally. You know, so we'll talk down to the person as opposed to talking across to the person. And so people respond differently mm-hmm. uh, because when you're talking to someone who you think is your subordinate, you, you really talk to them in a way as if you're giving them direction. You know, you tell them what you're going to do. You tell them what you want. You tell them what they should be doing in response to what you're doing. Well, that's how you do when you're talking to someone who you think is subordinate to you. So that's a vertical communication. Well, most wives don't receive vertical communication very well because right. they're looking for horizontal communication. They're looking for you to come to them as if they are an equal and so, and I think that's when you get what you just talked about, where we're in the same chapter, but we're not on the same page. Right. And we're not on the same page simply because of the way you express what, you know, the, the goal was to me caused me to think we need a different goal. You know, so you may be saying, again, we need a pool in the back. And, and, and your wife may be saying, no, what you really need to understand is, I'm not your child, right. <laughs> you know, and, and so it's a good plan. It makes sense. The kids can enjoy the pool, um, but the, the the water gets cloudy because we don't have that communication in the right direction that we should have it. Now, since you you mentioned the comment, I'm not your child, how do we do this type of communication? I'm going to get a little bit into parenting here. How do we do that communication with a child to get them to understand or get them on the same page? And while dealing with that level of maturity that 
that your child has. Well, again, see, I think the the the, the plan is the same. It, it, it to me, it doesn't change, and there's nothing in the Bible that suggests it should change. So still the issue becomes, are we unified in purpose? You know, are we unified in purpose? So the first thing I have to do with my child is to make sure we really are unified in purpose. And and, and just because I'm the parent doesn't mean I'm unified in purpose. Because a child will say okay to a parent without really being unified with the parent. So then when I'm communicating to the child, my thought process is the problem is he doesn't or she doesn't understand me. And they really do understand you. They're just not unified with the purpose that you laid out. So therefore, they go contrary to what your purpose is. And they step out trying to ensure that their own purpose comes to fruition. (laughs) And so in your mind, you're thinking, that person did not understand what I said. But really, they did. We just weren't unified in purpose. So, So that's why I think those three things work hand in hand so well that we have to, first of all, step back and say, well, you know, are we both on the same page as you pointed earlier? Do we both have the same purpose, even with the child? You know, do they understand and are they trying to get A's just like I want them to get A's? You know, and so we we must get there first. And then once we get there, and so when both of us understand the relevance for A's, then the communication becomes simpler. You know, and and I give you a quick example. Um, I remember when my children were in grade school, for example, and um, in order to, to help them understand the unity that we needed, um, I said this to them. A and B students get to go to the mall and pick out their clothes. C and D students get to go to Kmart. <laughs> now, uh, as you can imagine, uh, as you know how children are, they, right. they, they, they like to fit in. They, they like to, you know, uh, feel like they are older than what they are. Right. So, I, I got in line with their purpose because their purpose when they go to school is to be the kind of, you know, student that everybody looks up to and say, you know, that's a nice dresser. You know, they wear Nike shoes, this kind of thing. So that allowed us to have a unity of purpose because I want a good grades and they want a good clothes. And so therefore, now we're, we have the same goal in mind. Maybe for a different reason, but for the same goal. Right. Their goal is to get good grades so they can go shopping at the mall. Right. My goal for them to good, good grades is because I want them to be the best that they can be. But then we were unified in purpose. So the next thing was just about us, uh, you know, communicating effectively vertical. And I, and I say vertical because it was not my job to communicate horizontal with my children because they were not, they're not on my level. Right. So now I have to communicate with them verbally. And I think a part of the problem that parents make is that they communicate horizontal with their children. And uh, I think you should, one should never do that because the child always should understand that I love you dearly and I will never do anything to hurt you, but I am not your equal. One thing I would, when you was talking, I couldn't help myself but go and think about the interactions that um, I just watched a documentary on this on black males with the police. Mm-hmm. And you were saying being unified in purpose. And I thought about when I was watching that documentary, I said, well, my interaction with the police officers has been different because I never, growing up in the suburbs, I never really felt threatened, mm-hmm. so to speak, by the police. But I also approached them with the thought process that their whole purpose is to go home at night. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be walking up, you know, to the vehicle with a little bit of fear. Sure. You know, whether that's right or wrong, you know, they're going to have a little bit in there. 
So if I'm understanding that, I know now I'm unified in purpose in my communication in the way I'm communicating with them. Right. You know, um, us black men call that with our children having the quote unquote the talk. Mm-hmm. But if you are always unified in purpose with your communication with the person you're communicating with, right? You wouldn't. You don't really need the quote unquote the talk, so to speak, because you're seeking out what is the purpose of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And because we're having a conversation about something and most likely there's a decision that needs to be made about something. Right. You know, now what's funny about this, we've all been pulled over by the cops to try to make it. Then we get so comfortable, we try to get out of the <laughs> ticket that we're about to receive. <laughs> so, well, our purpose then tweaks a little bit, you know. Right. And that's and that can be problematic. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly is that and, and, and different, you know, in different cases, you know, I, I I would think that some police officers, you know, their purpose may be different. You never know. You right. Know? Some some of them may have that edge on them where they really are trying to to racially profile some of us. But but for the most part, you know, I would say that most policemen, that, that's not what their goal is. You know, their goal is to ensure that we have safe communities and, and right. that safe community includes them. You know, right. it's not just I should be safe, but as you said, they should be safe, too. Right. And, and you're right. And so if we approach it with that goal in mind that everybody wants a safe community, not just me, but them, too, it, it changes the whole dynamic. And, and again, and, uh, and so as you can, as you, you know, indicated, the formula works. It just works perfectly. Right. We have the same goal. And, and we're communicating well. And that's the other thing. If we're not communicating well, we can have the same goal. Mm-hmm. But if my communication to that police officer is such that it muddies the water, we're in trouble. That's right. Or, or if his communication to me, you know, he may have the goal of going home, but the way he communicates to me is such that I can't receive the message. Right. And so then it muddies the water. But if we both have that same goal of having a safe community, safe for him, safe for me, and our communications is such that, again, it is, um, in my opinion, horizontal. Now, I know police officers will probably tell you, no, it should be vertical, that they should be the ones in charge. And, and, and while, you know, we could debate that, but I still think all communication should right. be horizontal. Because if you treat a person as if they are your subordinate and they don't feel like they're your subordinate, they are compelled to let you know I'm not your subordinate, right? And and that causes that difficulty. But if you treat people with respect and you and you you know have horizontal communication, if you call me sir, I'm going to call you sir, right? You know, and we can go back and forth like that. If you're polite to me, I'm polite to you. And as you say, if we do that, things tend to work out. Yes, it does. And it's it's interesting that what God did, which He basically in this story. Let's just know how really how important communication is in life. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the same, if you're, it's so important that that's how he broke up the whole thing. He's like, wait a minute, okay, look, this is not what I I intended to happen. So let me do this. Now I asked you off air, and I said I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm gonna mention it anyways. Is has this? Like put a stigma on the, is the breaking up of the communication while everybody in the world's got different languages now. Right. Is that one of the main reasons why we all cannot get together? Well, yeah. And if you think about it and that's, you know, that's a theological um, uh, question that um, 
will bring about a lot of debate if we go into great detail. So let me just, you know, surface it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. so so you won't get a lot of folk, you know, emailing you and, and uh, saying, <laughs> you, you know, that we both are, are crazy. Right. Uh, if you consider the, how, how we are, how we have been created in the positioning of us and, 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 and what earth, earth is all about. Just simplistically, the Bible says that there, before we were here, there was a, a war in heaven where um, Lucifer, who at that time was kind of like the second in command, who made a decision. He said to himself, well, you know what? Uh, I'm the one running things, not God. He's just sitting on the throne. I'm doing everything, which I'm sure some of your employees think the same way, that, right, that right. you don't know nothing. They do everything. Right, that's right. And, and so Lucifer says to himself, well, since I'm running the show, I, I think I should be God. And he was such a good uh, persuader that he persuaded one third of the angels to follow him. And so there's this struggle over who's going to really be God. And of course, the, you know, we're, we're taught through the scripture that the archangel Michael um, was put in charge of, 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 of gathering God's troops together and they defeat Satan and he's cast out. Well, um, he's allowed to inhabit this earth that we call, you know, we call earth. That's what he's allowed to inhabit. Now, so the question would become is, do you want to repeat of that scenario where people say to themselves, we don't need God? Now, if we if 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 our being unified and having one uh, language will allow us to do anything we want to do, uh, I, I can assure you, as egotistical as we are, right. we would say we don't need God. You know, matter of fact, we would say we are God because anything we imagine would be possible unto us. So to ensure that we stay humble and to ensure that, you know, we, we aren't able to have a repeat of what happened before. That's my belief why when the languages were confounded, that we never got them back together again to keep us in that state, not, not to cause us harm, but so we would not harm ourselves. Because anytime you go against God, you really harm yourself. And so I think that's God's way of ensuring that we, 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 we stay in a position so that we don't do something foolish. Right. Now, but. This might be going a little deep here, but so with the invention of the Internet and things like that and communication becoming now more broader, mm-hmm. would you, this is your opinion. I'm asking for opinion, not God's, not God's sure. words, opinion now. We're talking about opinions, people. Do you feel that that may be the cause of a lot of more friction in the world with more communication? Now we're able to communicate. The languages are not necessarily um, broken up anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can go on the Internet and go to Japan and, and translate the whole website. Right. And then read everything that's going on there. Is, has that, in your opinion, may have caused some of the issues that we're dealing with today in, in modern world times? Well, I, I, I think the Internet, um, I won't say caused the issues. I think it exacerbates the issues. And I only say that because if you think about world history in general, is that there's always been a mentality among certain groups of people that they were going to conquer. You know, they, you know, they would travel and they would conquer. They would travel and they would conquer. And in fact, and that's why we have the saying that someone discovered America as if America was lost. Right. You know, it wasn't lost. People <laughs> were living here already. Right. Uh, but they came here. They took the land, and, and you know, and we say make America great again as if it was not great before we got here. Right. Uh, but God made all those natural resources. And I would say to anyone that thinks it was not great, that when God made the Grand Canyon, it was great. Right. And so we don't need us to make it great. 
So, but that's our mentality, right? But so it was always there. But what happens with the internet is it happens faster now, right. because now it doesn't take uh, you know uh, six or seven months to get somewhere. Now it doesn't take you know five years in order for you to conquer another person's language, so you can take them over, so you can make them your subordinates. You can do it overnight now. And I, so I think it just speeded things up. But I also think what it does is it's going it's speeding things up at a pace where the, um, the prophecies that are found in Revelations will be coming to pass. Because if you read Revelations, what you find is that a lot of the things that you just talked about, uh, the stage is being set for that stuff to happen. You know, And, 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 and the communication is a big deal because we are getting to that point where we are thinking similar to the way they thought, that if we can become unified, if we can unify all the countries then we can do whatever we want to do, that we can right. really rule the universe. And anytime you set yourself up to rule what you did not create, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's what Nimrod and those individuals thought when, you know, that's that's what's recorded in, in Genesis. Is that right. That's what they did. Now, since we're on the subject of communication and, and world topics and worldview of things, and we're saying that, I think everybody being agreeing that communication is easier to do now. Why isn't the gospel itself being communicated more mm-hmm. now than before? Why is it more negative things being communicated? Like I could turn on the TV and get anything negative within seconds, right? You know, versus getting either the word gospel or just it is something positive. Sure. Well, let me say this. I, I, you know. I think it depends on how you define communication. Number one, you know, if you define communication as an idea being idea being transmitted and understood, then I would say com- communication today is not easier. I would say it's harder. If you say that, uh, you know, if you say that information is gotcha. passed by quicker and faster and, and you know and more global, I would say you're absolutely right that information can go around the world in light speed. Uh, but understanding doesn't go around the world in light speed. In, in, in fact, the faster an idea goes around the world, the less it is understood because all of us tend to view that information based on our own backgrounds and cultures. And if it goes too fast, we don't have really time to appreciate it based on how the other person sent it. Right. So, so you may send me an idea and the idea is steeped in how you feel about something. But if I get it too fast, I only receive it based on my own background. And I don't even try to figure out what you meant when you sent it. You know, and a classic example is this. Michael Jackson, um, in one of his songs, says, who's bad, right? Right. And, and, and I would say to you that he doesn't mean who's um, right. terrible. You know, he doesn't mean who is non-good. Right. You know, but if, 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 if I don't understand that, if I get it too fast, my thinking is he's referring to who is the worst person around me. Right, right. I clearly understand what you're saying. And it goes back to that that purpose in communication. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just wondering, you know, with even with the podcast that we're doing right now, you know, we, we're utilizing technology and, and the the web to be able to get things out to the people and get the, you know, the good news out to people more in depth in the word and things like that. Why aren't more people looking for this? type of information that could help them? That's a, uh, wow, that's power. That's a powerful question. Um, 
I, and I, I'm, I can tell you, every preacher says the same thing every Sunday morning. <laughs> 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 With all the good information I'm getting, giving out, why aren't the churches packed? You know, right. why aren't people in there sucking it up? Uh, you know, I guess the only thing I can say is this, is as I said before, information and communication, unfortunately, in my opinion, are not equal. Uh, so, and i give you an example. We, we did the podcast on leadership and, and, and how, what the Bible says about leadership. And I can tell you that I would venture to say that many people looked at that and they only thought of applying it one way. You know, the, the only thought was, well, if I own a company, you know, or if I'm a senior manager, right. then this will work for me. But they didn't think that, wait a minute, if I am the, um, uh, a husband, I am the head of my household, I am a leader. They didn't stop to think that if I'm a coach, if I coach Little League, I am a leader. Right. You know, they didn't stop to think that if I'm a parent, I am a leader. If I'm a, you know, single household, I'm a leader. And in my community, you know, if I'm the one in the community that, you know, plans the Christmas party or, right. or, or you know, the, or how are we going to decorate for Halloween, I am a leader. And so because they, they had the information, they didn't really understand that it can be applied, you know, in so many different ways. So they probably looked at the title and said, oh, this is information I don't need. Right. As opposed to saying, this is a communication that I should be sucking in. Right. Now, when you're getting into your pastoral duties and you're in a Sunday or during the week, how do you tailor your message that you're going to give on Sunday to make sure that the, you, you can't get everybody can't get it, so to speak? So how do you tailor the message to where the majority of the people in, in the congregation are able to get the, get it and possibly understand it and be purposeful in the in the same arena? Right. And, you know, again, this you know depends on who you talk to. It might be a little controversial. I don't think so, but you never know. Okay. Right. Um, what, what I do is this. I look through the text and I ask myself um, if the same issue happened in 2017, how would the, what, what would the response be? What would that need be? I really don't try to um, figure out necessarily how to communicate the, the message. But what I look at is what are those kernels of information that are germane to people in this situation? All okay. Right. And then what I, what I rely on then is the Holy Spirit to do the communicating for me. Uh, because, you know, I don't think I can meet everybody where they are. You know, I just can't. It'd be impossible. You know, if you got 20 people, you got 20 different you know, <laughs> different things going on. Right. You know, and they're thinking different ways, different problems. But the Holy Spirit can do what I can't do. So the Holy Spirit can take what I'm putting out and and touch those people in a way that it, it, it becomes relevant to them. So I'm putting out information, but the Holy Spirit is saying, let me do the communicating of the information. L- let me put it in there, put it in their spirit in a way that they can now understand it. And so now they can feel what you are saying. Right. And, and so that, I think, is what makes the, the, the big difference. And, and the reason why I, I, I um, hold to that as being a, a truism is because there have been times I've said things from the pulpit where it's no way in my mind a five-year-old should have got it. No way. You know, right. sometimes I'll use a word that some adults will say, what does that mean? Right. You know? And I get a, a small child to come up to me and say, Pastor, thank you. When I go back to school on Monday, I'm going to apologize to this person or that person. 
And so for whatever reason, it, you know, they got it too. Right. You know, so, and I know it wasn't, you know, the way I put it out there because I didn't put it out there thinking of a five-year-old. Right. Now, this is, um, I listened to a motivational speaker named Les Brown, and he was talking about how people, that leaders and people that's passionate about what they're doing get into this zone where they almost have like an out-of-body experience when they don't know where, like if they're writing a book, where is it coming from? You know, and I call it the, the divine intervention coming in there and, and God getting inside you and communicating on the paper mm-hmm. or you're writing or you're singing, you know, singers talk about it. Do you experience that same type of feeling when you're in the pulpit? I, I would say if you are a pastor and you don't experience that, then you probably have left something at the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because, um, it, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to speak for 15, 20, 30, if you, you know, long-winded, 45 minutes. Right. It's hard to do that um, and, and be exact in your delivery based on what you prepare for through the week. It, it, you know, that's, it's almost impossible unless you have a, you know, a teleprompter in front of you. And right. most pastors don't use teleprompters. So what, what you're going by is basically um, you may have some two or three points that you're, that you're focusing on to try to give to the congregation. Um, and, and you know the, the background of where the text comes from, but you don't know the needs of the congregation. That's what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So your, your job then just becomes, let me start off by just simply giving people the facts of the text. That, 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 that's my starting point. Let me give you the facts of the text. And then as you are speaking, the Spirit will speak to your heart and, 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 and say, well, okay, you, you've given them the facts per se, but but here's the need that goes along with that fact. So, you know, yes, the facts are, for example, that there was a woman at a well, and that woman had been married to several men, and that woman is looked down upon because of her relationships. That's the fact. Um, but the need was she needed acceptance. And, and, and you don't know that, you know, right away that someone else in the congregation may need acceptance. Right. It may have nothing to do with the fact that they've had seven different men. Right. It's mean they have been ostracized for some character, what we call the character, you know, the uh, flaw. And so, but you don't know that when right. you're preparing your message. But as you're uh, putting the message out there, the Spirit may reveal to you that you need to uh, impress upon the people that this woman needed to be accepted. And, and here was Christ who looked beyond all of those issues that other folk would not look beyond. And he was willing to accept her just like she was. And that's what made her so excited that she would go back and tell everybody else, come see a man. And so now there's someone else in the congregation saying, whoa, wait a minute. People don't accept me either. But will Christ accept me with my flaws too? Right. And, you know, and so you don't know that when you start, but the Spirit will take you there. And, and so at the, you know, you, at the end of the message, and you, you're walking back and someone's saying to you, that's just what I needed. That's just what I needed. Right. Not because you prepared for it, but because, you know, Less, less may call it an out of body experience. I call it an inner body experience. Inner body experience. Because it's, it's, it emanates from Christ getting in me. Right. Now I'm going to ask this question. Um, and some people may not have felt that way before. Like I played sports and I've, and I've had, I've done things on the football field that I was like, how was I able to do that? I was able to see things that happened. I wasn't, you know, getting in that quote unquote zone. Um, 
how can we, Pastor, tap into that 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 divineness within us when we need it, especially in, since we're on the topic of communication, when it comes to communicating? So to make sure that we stay purposeful in our communication, how do we tap into that? divineness within us. Well, again, the key is in the formula, right? And, you know, one, what, unity of purpose and within God's will and, and effective communication. When we are operating within God's will, we don't have to worry as much about the communica- communication process. When we are focusing on our own will, that's when it becomes problematic. So if, if my intent in communicating is to ensure that I'm doing what God would have me to do, then he will move upon those that are in the listening circle so that they get it the way he needs them or he wants them to get it, I should say, and the way they need to receive it. The problem is, and, and I'll go back to how we started on, if you look at a family, for example, the problem is most people don't communicate based on God's will communicate based on what they feel their own needs are at that time. And so a wife, you know, she's thinking what's paramount for me. Husband was paramount for me. The five-year-old was paramount for me, <laughs> right. right? Child right. thinking what? Bush Garden, right? Right, <laughs> The right. wife thinking, take me out dancing in the dinner. Right. You know, the husband thinking, I ain't spending this money on this sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so everybody's communicating based on their own need. But if, 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 we, if we sat down and say, listen, what does God want for this family? What does God want for this family? And we're communicating based on that. Everybody will get it. Not right. because of what we're doing, but because how God will put it out there in a way that they can receive it. Well, people, you hear to hear. Uh, Pastor Daniel's dropping these um, golden nuggets. Please make sure that you, you know, grab a pen and paper, run this back, listen to it again. I guarantee you, we got, you, you write it down, it's going to change your life. I'm telling you, the, the, the little bit of conversations that me and Pastor have, have really greatly impacted my life. And, and I call myself a leadership expert. So, so, um, but once again, please, people, do me a favor. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, please click on the review section and give us five stars and write a review so we can get our podcast up the, up in the ranks of the levels on, on religious and spirituality. And also, if you're on SoundCloud, listen to us on SoundCloud, please do not hesitate to write a comment in the comment box on SoundCloud or like the post. And I do believe, Pastor, that some you have to, um, in order to like a post, I think you still have to sign up for um, SoundCloud, which isn't a bad deal, because once you sign up to SoundCloud, you're also able to get notified when we put the um, the podcast uploaded. When we get it uploaded, you get notified when it's uploaded and everything, so you don't have to wait for the Facebook post or the um, church notification via email. So um, right now, Pastor, is there anything you got going on um, this week or in the next coming weeks coming up? Well, this week is just, uh, uh, hopefully, it'll be a mundane, regular week. So um, all I like to say to all the listeners is, again, listen, sign up um, so you can get the information. Because no matter how much we put it out there, if you don't take it in, it it won't hit the desired mark. So don't just you sign up, but uh, talk to your friends about it and and pass pass it on. And and, uh, we, we appreciate any comments, positive or negative. And if you have any specific topics that you think would be great, for the show, then uh, let us know. We'll do what we can. And, and thank you so very much, uh, Brother Baker, for your wisdom and for your time. Mm, thank you. This is your host, Steve Baker. 
until next time. 